everybody and welcome back to another episode of Chronic But Iconic. Oh my gosh, where do I start? I mean, we're nearly the end of series one now. We've only got a couple of episodes left. So I thought that it'd be very, very important for me to actually take some snippets of series one and just put it all into an episode so that people can see some of the best bits from this series and what a series it has been and I'm so thankful to all the amazing guests that I've had on all the inspiring stories that have been shared on the channel it's truly heartwarming it's truly inspiring and empowering not just for me but for the listeners and I know that it takes a lot of courage for people to come on and share their stories a lot of the time and I'm so thankful and so grateful to everybody who comes on because I know it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of people are very busy, a lot of people emotionally find it very difficult and physically as well with brain fog and other symptoms um, like that. So, you know, everybody's been such a delight, it's been an honour to have everybody on and for the listeners, I mean, I'm so, so thankful for all the support and it's been great to hear the feedback. It's been great to know that, you know, you're all enjoying this series because, of course, I was very, very nervous to begin and kick off a series that I didn't really know where I was going to go with it. I just knew that I wanted to, you know, brush up on and touch on important topics that affect me personally and I know affect a lot of other people suffering with chronic illness so you know I just that was where I wanted to go with it and I didn't realize that it was going to get this um, amazing feedback and people were going to enjoy it as much as they have and I'm so so thankful and that's why we've managed to sort of clock up so many episodes in series one because so many people we really wanting to share their stories and I really wanted to highlight their stories because I knew that these guests would be inspiring. I knew that they'd be empowering and people like myself need that on, on days where we're having flare-ups, on days that we're feeling lost. So it was important for me to get these kind of people on and, and it means the world to me to have them on. And that's why I think it's important now to sit back and just listen through some of the highlights of the the series and moving forward series two I really hope is going to be just as amazing and just as influential in so many ways and I can't wait to kick it off um you know personally I'm going through a lot of health problems myself so that's why it's a great time now just to you know have take a step back have some rest time take my treatment and then come back with series two full of ideas full of a new take on things and just see where it leads and just as I did with this uh, with series I just didn't know where it was going to go and I'm so thankful and you know the sky's the limit and I'm so grateful for all the guests that I've had on so please sit back enjoy some of the highlights from these series and look forward to next series because it's going to be a cracker and I can't wait to get started on it so thank you so much and love always thank you so much for your support I couldn't do this without you you inspire me every day and uh, you know let's rock the next series hi Sophie hi Julia hi Kim hi hi yeah. hi hello Andrew 
Hi, Andrea. Hi, how are you doing? Are you okay? Well, welcome to my podcast channel. Hey, hello, nice to be here. Hi, Laura. Hello, Sophie. I start out my day, and I have to do this every day. Um, I deal with a chronic illness called Chiari malformation. Yeah. And um, I, uh, I've i had to have brain surgery, or I had to have brain surgery uh, 13 years ago and uh, a couple spinal surgeries. And uh, I still struggle uh, with the symptoms daily. And since I have to get up so early uh, on my morning ride, I have a 10-year-old. I take to school every day. Oh, and if I'm having a bad morning, I try to find the beauty in the very beginning of the morning. Yes. And I do that by even being grateful that I can, I woke up. And I have a little reminder on my phone that says, it's a great day to be alive. Oh. And I tell myself that every day. My name's Kirk Howard. Yeah. I'm 31. Um, I've been trained as a chef since I was 15. Wow. Um, always worked uh, anywhere between 14 and 18 hours a day. Um, used to run 30 kilometers a week, um, play wow. tennis, football, very sporty. Um, very passionate about cooking, extremely passionate about cooking and um, driven Um you know, with success and trying to um, achieve things, um, which, um, you know, I think we can both relate to with your swimming and Definitely. stuff. Definitely, yes. Um, and yeah, like cooking has been, you know, it's been my life. And um, yeah, I cooked all over the world, um, from America to Australia, all over Europe, um, all in Michelin star restaurants. Um, so working at a very high standard with a lot of pressure and um, along with that comes stress and definitely you know, yes. but um yeah it's I love cooking so it's been my life and it's incredible really because like you said you were at the top of your game as well and you were doing so so well and you know to be struck down by such a disease that's so debilitating it's just soul destroying in so many different ways because it's not just your career that you lose you lose you know your self-worth and your, your body because you can't you know bounce back the same so you can't do the sport the same as you used to and it affects your whole life yeah completely um i think god i mean especially in those early few years when um you don't know what it is yeah i think they are even the most you know cruelest um debilitating years because you know, you know inside that things are going wrong, and you know, you know, there's, I could, yeah, you know, I could talk about lots of things in kitchens and stuff that I would have never ever done that started to happen, and I kept going, oh my god, like I wouldn't, have, what's what's going on with me? Like yeah. I never would have done that before, or you know, if someone asked me to put two plates on the pass, for instance, that's like a chef thing. If you run the pass, you know, <laughs> if you're going on a table, if you're going on a table of two, you know, and they'd say, Kirk, bring two plates on the pass, and I put one up. Yeah. Um, you know, all these things started to happen, um, you know, and, and it just, you know, these were the early signs and, you know, it was very, very scary. Um, and then you start, 
you know, it changes your personality. You obviously, feel yeah. really down. So you're not you're not the same with your work colleagues, and then they just think you're a negative person. Yeah. And, but really, you're just in so much agony. You don't obviously. I'm spending my days off. Kept going to the doctors every night after work. I was going to A and E. Um, you know, and these doctors. I was in Australia at this time, so they were just. It's even worse in Australia than it is here. Oh, yeah. In, ter- in terms of if that is believable, but trust me, it is. Yeah, no. Um, so it, it was. It was very, very. Yeah, it was very, very hard. Very, very hard. Definitely, and and being a young person, you know, you're expected to be able to bounce back and just be on top form twenty four seven. And like you said, you, your job is so demanding, the long hours and the commitment that you have to give to your work, you know, you don't have time to have days off and time off to go to the doctors and go to A&E like you're explaining. And you don't want to allow your career to slip away from you. No, and I think, you know, um, throughout well, when I was younger and stuff, I think, I think the kitchen mentality, you know, it, it served me so well in terms of fighting yeah. and keeping positive. But at the same time, there's so many, you know, if, I, if I'd have done any other job, I think, not any other job, but, you know, if in cooking, especially at that level, you don't take days off even if you're sick because it's just, it's kind of that environment where, oh, he's pulling a sick yes. or do you know what I mean? It's kind of that, and especially if you're a lad, yes. you know, you're kind of seen as, it's changing now, and industry is changing, it's getting better, so, you know, I have nothing but good things to say about our industry, I love it. I was a singer uh, way back when, yes. <laughs> um, before I became ill, and um, I'd kind of left music behind for some years, and um, I was had a family and got an office job and things were ticking along quite quite nicely um, until I was struck down by uh, Lyme disease um, mm-hmm. reaching my brain um, and really overnight my entire life changed and I went from being an active mom and working full-time to been completely bedridden and unable to care for myself and unable to even speak or hug my children it was just uh soul destroying completely yeah it was a complete devastation of, of the whole family's life really um what i was fortunate in is that i do have an amazing friends yeah that um, they fundraised for me to go to America for treatment and um, I made great improvements in America uh, the doctors there are, you know they they saved my life wow. and as I started to get stronger and started speaking again um, I was still very limited in what I could do and yeah. I started to I guess miss the creative side of of things and um, I think that's where music once more started becoming a cornerstone in my life and to to cling on to Um, so that really just then took me to a point where I was well enough that I could sit up in bed and I could sing a few few lines maybe not very strongly and um 
I asked my husband one day, would you get me a guitar? Oh, wow. And I just, at that point, it was just for my own healing. Um, self-soothing, yeah. yeah, self-soothing and healing. I really had no intention of it being anything more than that at that point, but that was the start of it, just wow. that coming back to music to find solace in it yes. that's brought me to where I am today. Yeah. They still haven't rained too well. They didn't get it all out, but they debugged far more than they expected to. And my the resulting diagnosis, they, they said I wouldn't be able to wheel out the street. And uh, and I have been. And I, I, I've managed to do a marathon uh, last month, and I, I've signed up for two more. So uh, Which is it, incredible. I just like proving people wrong, you know. Yeah, I know. And that that's great because... I mean, we've been speaking since probably sort of September last year and, and every time we speak, I'm just, you know, you take my breath away with everything that you're doing because you're always on to the next challenge and you, you don't let anything hold you back. And I think that's really, really inspiring for, you know, so many people that get cancer and it's, it's awful and tumours and, you know, they're given that diagnosis and, you know, your heart just sinks for them and you either sort of let it beat you or you try and beat it and you've you've tried to sort of fight your way through all this and it's great 100% I, I agree with you 100% because well, when I was 17 they told my mum I wouldn't live into my 20s because of uh, my health condition and yeah. uh, I, lo I, lo I like to think I only look 21 but I am 43 <laughs> as, uh, now but um, but yeah it's just throughout my life I've just been given a few a, a bad hand and um, I just like to prove medics wrong and we, we have a brilliant NHS system fantastic doctors and nurses but yeah. they're not always right and I, I I knew people years ago when I was in my early 20s I worked in a hospice who were diagnosed with cancer and maybe given six months of a year to live yeah. people who would just sit and cry and accept it and they'd be dead within a month or two and those yeah. who thought right I'm going to fight this I'm going to get out there and they they traveled the world they went, they went away with their kids and their husband they, they, they were still alive one or two years later and uh, you know I'm not saying that's not always the case it's certainly not but yes. a lot of the time if we if we go out and live our lives so I was told I would be able to wheel out my street and I wanted to prove you were wrong so I just wheeled that a little bit further and further and uh, <laughs> I then signed up to do the Welsh Marathon which was a bit uh, a bit extreme but uh, exactly. I, I got through it and I, I'm glad I did so and you hit your target as well for all the money that you raised which is incredible well, well originally we were, I wanted to raise thousand pounds which is a thousand pounds for my local disability group but a thousand pounds for the uh charger tumor trust which is a charity that help youngsters that have the neurological condition i have and i funny enough i met them the year before last at the national diversity awards and uh but we raised six and a half grand in in the end so uh That's half incredible. of that will go to to each group so um but more, more than six times what what i initially wanted to to raise was was raised so that was a few massive massive generosity the help of my local rugby club as well so yes. i have to thank them and yeah. and um, and yeah i didn't expect to but i got there and i, I finished it and i i've I signed up for two more now in the new forest of bournemouth so i know it's sort of giving you that sort of motivation now to keep going had Lyme disease for the past almost four years um, and I had quite a sudden sort of introduction to Lyme. I know a lot of people deteriorate quite slowly but I got very sick right away 
um so I've been that's been my sort of full-time um job I suppose and life ever since then yeah um and I've done I was undiagnosed for about a year and a half and since then I've done lots and lots of different treatment options I've kind of it's been my full-time job basically I know you understand that for yeah. sure yeah um and so I've done a lot of different treatments and then last year almost a year ago I did uh, stem cell treatments um you which did. is probably my biggest kind of thing that I've done yeah. um and I've just been recovering from that for the past year uh so I'm just sort of getting up to that year mark now and seeing improvements and kind of looking more to the future which is something I haven't done in a while but very cautiously <laughs> yes because uh, of course stem cell treatment is something that I really want to touch on because it is quite a new treatment and it is quite intense isn't yeah. it yeah yeah definitely like not I mean the treatment in itself is intense but the recovery is possibly is more harder. intense oh my gosh <laughs> yeah so. how, how long is stem cell treatment in total so I mean it depends what kind of treatment you do I did fat stem cells using my own stem cells um and so you do the the first treatment which um mine was three weeks before the surgery um and then four months later I did another week um with like a sort of mini stem cell procedure um and then at the moment that's hopefully all I've got planned but the recovery estimates about 12 to 15 months um so it's quite yeah it's definitely it's a commitment and a process (laughs) yeah and like you say it becomes a full-time job because balancing your health is just the hardest thing in the world oh my gosh predictable (laughs) yeah yeah I, I like to share it because sharing my story is is my way of um spreading word about the diverse community that we live in definitely definitely and of course that's what we wanted to chat about today because of course Mm -hmm. obviously we've both had the amazing honor of being nominated for the national diversity awards this year and i know that the national diversity awards like i mean you're part of the furniture they love you and (laughs) (laughs) rightly so because of all of the work you do do so i thought it'd be great just to obviously share both of our views on what it means to us because it is a massive massive thing in our society these days that people do need to be more accepting less judgmental and diversity across across the board is so important how do i recover how do i get back yes and uh, for me reading and writing was the thing and i i, I stopped i before i got ill i was I, I mean i was absolutely like you with the swimming and and being a class swimmer yeah I was a really good writer and I was really at, on a peak. Yeah. You know, I just interviewed Kajirish Guru. Oh, wow. He's a famous writer, um, one of the most famous writers in the world, and was asked by his publisher to, to interview him at a big event, you know, 400 people. It's massive. Yeah. And it was only three months later, I sort of um, got the rash and, you know, things happened by chance, I suppose. And, and so, and then I just took a quite a steep trajectory downwards, 
um, and I thought, where, where was I? How, yeah. did, how did that happen? Um, and of course, it's just a bite and an infection, a simple infection that's very complicated yeah. in the end, isn't it? Yeah, but, um, yeah, so I was high and then all of this happened and then it, was, it took years to steadily turn that curve up again. Definitely. Um, which has happened. So writing the novel that wise really did, it was difficult. I can imagine, yes, especially with all the neurological yeah. problems. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, for I had to work my way back in. Yeah. You know, I, I did some short stories. I edited an old novel just to find my way back in, to get back on the bicycle and start cycling again. I had to just do it, and, um, and I did. It, it took a few years, um, but, you know, four years later... I had a good book, and it says a lot about Lyme. Yes. It says a lot about life and death, actually, because that's what it feels like. Yeah, of course. And, I mean, you've had massive success with it and well-deserved success yeah. as well, which, again, will give you a massive boost because you know you've, you've written that when you're weak, like you were saying, and at your lowest yeah. point. So it's kind of like, you know, when you feel it on top form, what, what more could you achieve? It's just crazy. It's your first Lyme Disease Awareness yeah. Month, and how have you found it, Adam? <clears throat> I found it very, very interesting, <laughs> and um, I can't believe how much stuff you've done for it as well, you know. Oh, it's, it has um, been a very, very special one this year, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's been great to have you a part of it, and I'm, oh, yeah. I'm so sorry it's been a bit unpredictable at times, it's been one minute, it's like, yeah, we've got a chilled week, and the next minute we're flat out with doing different yeah. things here and there trying to look at Blackpool Tower if it's still green <laughs> and trailing to Manchester. Which has been green now, for, was green for about a week, wasn't it? It was yeah, for a very so, long time. Yeah, so that was great after they said two days. Yeah. So we kept checking, didn't we, every night. But it's it's been great. But obviously beforehand you didn't really know anything too much about Lyme disease or what it entailed. So for you it was yeah. kind of... Oh, we've not known each other that long for you to sort of get to grips with it you've kind of been thrown in the deep end and obviously that's quite difficult and you know you should be very proud oh, of yourself you. <laughs> for, for dealing with it as well as you have because yeah. so many people just don't want to know walk away and mm. obviously for me and many other sufferers we worry that we're unlovable we're undateable no one wants us because no one will be able to see past the illness it's mm. not fun it's not you know you know on a day-to-day -day basis it's very unpredictable it's well it, it's just not fun you're, you're 25 but you feel you're like you're 88 and you want to be with someone fun that's going out all the time and mm. living life so it's quite obviously heartwarming for me and obviously other people seeing us together will be inspirational for them that yeah think of, them of course sort of hungry mm. you're more likely to go for the wrong thing That's so right. just try and stay to the routine and like my diet is quite restrictive so it doesn't leave me a lot so I do have to eat the same day in day out but it's probably like you probably try and meal plan so that you don't fall into that trap of just that's what the forum said actually. yeah that's what they were recommending that you don't just mm. go on the hop because you will end up 
eating the wrong foods, you've got to have it planned ahead. And I'm I'm not a planner, but Laura is, thank goodness. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that that sort of helped as well. Yeah, and that helps you sort of work together as a team, which yeah. is nice because then she sort of feels involved in your treatment steps as well as, mm. as say because sometimes the, the partner can maybe feel pushed out or you know they don't understand because that partner isn't opening up properly so it's nice that you can work as a team i wanted to support your new business venture which has been very very exciting thank you um i i know i had um it, it's just getting off the ground, yes. you know, like official launch, but it's been in the works for many years. So I'm just, I'm really excited about getting it going and, and people are responding to it. And actually people are, you know, um, I guess I should say what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've, I've started life coaching and, um, you know, spiritual advising. I've done all of this for many years. I mean, I've had my spiritual gifts my whole life, but the life coaching has really, really started, um, I would say in the last couple of years where I was helping people as I was, you know, getting through my own treatment and stuff with Lyme disease and, and other things and recovering from other things. And, um, I just kept filling this pool more and more to help people because I had so many people that were reaching out to me because I chronicled my whole journey with Lyme from, you know, when I was at death's door all the way to where I'm in wellness now. And, you know, people are, they're wanting to know what I've done, how I've gotten here. And I'm not a doctor, but I do work with a lot of doctors and I, I went the, the natural route. So I know you know, a lot about herbs and essential oils, having worked with them, um, in the last, you know, 17 years. So, um, I do have a a lot of knowledge about a lot of different things. And I feel I can help people with not only chronic illnesses, but just, you know, self-love, self-development here. Yes. And, you know, in recovering from, emotional traumas, you know, whether it be grief, um, abusive relationships, divorce, you know, um, just traumatic things. I've, I've been through a lot. Yeah, you (laughs) have, you really have. More than just Lyme. And I, I feel like I just feel the huge calling to help people. So I, I've started, I, I've started this to, to reach, to go more broad. Because I'm I'm overwhelmed, to be honest, daily with, with messages from people. So doing this is the best way that I can reach everyone together by having a community that I've created and then doing personal, you know, one-on-one coaching options if that's what they would, they would like to add yeah. in as well. My name is Natasha Metcalf and... Um, I've had Lyme disease for many years, since I was about 16. Yeah. Um, but it obviously, you know, as you know uh, from your own story, um, it took so long to be diagnosed. So I never sort of knew what I was suffering with um, for over a decade. Um, and it wasn't until I went to America that a doctor took one look at me and said, 
this is what I think you have um based yeah. on my, my clinical symptoms and then a blood test uh went on to confirm that so as, as similarly to you I had a very very long time waiting for my diagnosis and um then when I came back to the UK I just felt so outraged that there was nothing really in place for people who'd slipped through the net like me yeah so I, start, I started actually blogging in the beginning um just to sort of it was very cathartic just getting everything down on paper about how I'd been treated and you know left sort of helpless for so long um and then another sufferer at the same age as me um called Louise Dean she actually uh, reached out to me on my blog um, and we were just incredulous because her story had mirrored mine so carefully. Yeah. And um, so we just said, well, what can we do about this? And, you know, Facebook is such a powerful tool. So that's when we actually decided to set up a, a support group. And we had absolutely no idea, you know, how quickly people would find us and join us. But within, you know, a few weeks of 100 people and then 200 people, it just escalated. And obviously... Yes. Now we have a community of nearly 10,000 people. So none, neither of us could have predicted how much this would have grown and just how much there was a need for um, support in the UK. Definitely. And I think you've just hit the nail on the head there, really, because I think people, like we know, still a lot of people are go undiagnosed and don't really know much about the disease, that they spend so many years feeling so alone and so lost that, you know, this the community and the support hub that you've managed to create is a lifeline in so many ways to many people. Yeah, um, we're just so lucky that, you know, I think Facebook is is so powerful. And, um, you know, there was an element of having people in there sort of under their real names, because we did talk about creating a forum, you know, like an, a more traditional style of forum where everybody's right. using, a, using a, an, an avatar and a handle. And, you know, we, we sort of thought, well, the beauty of Facebook is that people are generally operating under their own names. And so you really feel like you get to know people who you then go on to meet in real life, but you've already put faces to names, you know, so it's yeah. a very, it was a platform that, you know, it, it does have its pitfalls in some ways, but it was a platform that was very accessible because most people already had a Facebook account, you know, so they were finding us quickly. Um, and I think that's really helped our sense of community is that most people are using their real pro profiles, you know, so, yes. so you do feel like you're really getting to know people on a different level than if they were just using pseudonym. Thank you to everybody who came on series one and were, were part of this amazing, amazing podcast series. I didn't expect it to explode the way it did and have the reception it did. I've had the true, true honour of having such amazing guests and I wanted to create this little episode right here with a couple of the guests that I have had on and everyone's been such a delight. I'm so sorry I couldn't include everybody but I just want to say a massive, massive thank you to all the amazing guests and the amazing support and I can't wait for series two. Mm -hmm.